And we're back! Hi Balloon Artist Podcast Nation, what's up? Zivi Kivi here. This is Season 8. Enjoy! Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, and in this season, the season where we meet the veterans, season number eight, I have such a privilege of talking with people that are doing balloons for more than they can remember, but actually they do remember. It's more than 10 years and sometimes way more. And they use it in all sorts of ways. And one of the lovely parts about talking with those veterans is that they didn't lose their passion for balloons and they have a lot of skills to share. So I want to congratulate you and welcome you to the show, Danny Schlesinger, also known as Danny the Idiot. Hello, Danny. Hello, Zivi. Thank you for inviting me on your podcast. It's really a pleasure. Danny, you're an all-round performer. You perform with balloons. You do balloon storytelling shows. You have all sorts of shows that you do in both the UK where you live and even sometimes in other countries like in the States and Canada, which is quite impressive. And you're also a balloon shows director and a magician shows director. Tell me a little bit about how you started with balloons and not just the first balloon, but to give me like the first few years of your journey. So I started when I was at university learning geography degree and my next door neighbor was juggling. And I thought, oh, that looks very good. And when I went to see my aunt in York, I saw some street entertainers and they were juggling and it looked very fun. So when I went back to college, I joined the juggling club and learned how to juggle. Then when I finished my degree, I really didn't know what to do with it. So I went to circus school and that's where I learned to perform. And one of the skills I learned there was learning some simple one balloon animals to add to my toolkit. When was that? This was in 1989. 1989 and 90, I went to circus school in Bristol. Wow. So I worked it out. It's 29 years ago, which is ridiculous. So back then, no internet, no, like maybe just starting. It was just starting. It was books and videos, if you could get hold of them. There was a very slim selection of balloon colors. It was all the the see-through ones. So things have progressed a long, long way. Back then, the balloons were a way to entertain kids mainly? Yeah, I mean, I started doing birthday parties and doing one balloon animals and very simple stuff. I didn't know any better then. You know, I have the, is it the Marvin Hardy books? The simple one balloon animals, things like that. That's kind of what I had available. So how long did that last? When did it change? So I was performing with a circus and I got more into performing. And, and then I made a Danny and his Yellow Balloons cabaret act, which was about 10 minutes long. I juggled three balloons and popped them and all kinds of stupid stuff that I'm still doing, but I've developed the routines. And I did that around the London Comedy Club circuit. So I got a lot of experience performing in very small spaces and to adult audiences that were drunk 
in between stand-up comedy routines. So I was a bit of a relief. Nobody had to think. I had music. I didn't really speak. And I just did stupid stuff with balloons. And people really liked it. And then from that, I decided I wanted to do a longer show in a theatre or somewhere a bit more nicer than a, a comedy club. So I then did some more studying. And I, re- I went to the th- places like the British Library in London, where I looked online for all kinds of balloon-related, magic-related, performance circus-related stuff. And I studied balloons as much as I could with all the resources that I could find. Back then, then, Balloon Artist College wasn't a thing yet. No, unfortunately, it wasn't around. Neither really, I mean, the internet was getting better and people were sharing stuff. Balloon HQ was really useful. It's still going, a brilliant free resource. You can look online, there's so much stuff there. It's quite amazing. Not as good as Balloon Artist College, of course. There's a need for both and there's a place for generosity in the industry, which is very important. So we will put the link for balloonhq.com in our show. Great. There's some great routines that uh, you can start with. And yeah. it's free. And then, so I made a 20-minute show and then I made a longer show and I went to Avna the Eccentric in America and that changed everything. I really improved my show and the way I did things. I made a 50-minute balloon show made up of five, six different routines. And I performed it in a few theatres. And then I was asked if I wanted to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland in August by a venue, a very well-known venue. And they supported my show. They paid for nearly everything, which was amazing. <laughs> And I did it there, and I got lots of reviews. I got bookings from it for other theatres in Scotland and around the UK. And uh, I've never looked back since. I've made balloon shows for theatres, and I've continued to make shows for children's parties and all kinds of events. So I combine balloon twisting and balloon shows. When was that turning point where you performed in the festival? I think it was... I could be wrong, 2009. Wow. So just as of now, uh, 10 years ago, you did your festival show and never looked back. So you basically never really had to work with a, like a day job? I decided very early on I didn't want to rely on a day job. So I have done all kinds of performing jobs. I've done acting work on film, doing commercials as well. So I have a whole range of experience in the film and TV industry. I've worked in circus, I've worked in theatres, and all kinds of crazy events from schools, nurseries, corporate events, you know, the whole range. I just said yes to anything. And it gives you experience and practice at your art. Practice is important, isn't it? Yes. I mean, yesterday I walked up the road for eight ladies who meet every two weeks for, for something, and they were having a celebration, and they, I was invited to go and make balloons for eight ladies in the middle of the day. On a Tuesday, I got about 50 pounds, $60 or something, but I could walk there and back. I said, yes, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. 
it sounds like you are able to not walk from a place of ego where you keep doing the math and hey I can't do that because it's too I can make more of that if I do my show or whatnot like you're open in front of the world and you embrace the opportunities to practice and to improve your skills sure I mean I know now because I did it a couple of weeks ago I broke down each of my activities and which is the most profitable and my shows are the most profitable twisting actually is not that good for me in terms of time and effort and balloons cost but doing my shows is so I try and promote my shows wherever possible and in the market I'm the, my local birthday party market I'm the only one doing a balloon birthday show so That's what I try and sell. So some people are afraid of going into shows because it's a totally different beast. It's a unicorn. You know what to do if something pops in front of a kid in a line walk scenario or something. You know what is the worst case scenario. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're on stage, everyone are looking at you. Every mistake you make is something that is seen. How do you handle all of the, like, you must have nerves of steel? So I've been doing this for a very long time, as I said earlier. And the one thing I know is balloons will pop and do things that you don't want them to do. So I have lots of spares. I know things could happen at any moment. When I'm rehearsing a show, anything that goes wrong, I clock that in my mind because that may happen again. How do I cope with that? So I'm practicing kind of in case anything goes wrong. So that's what rehearsals are for. The same as when you practice balloons and one pops and you just add another balloon. When you know your routines inside out, you can adapt, you can change things, you can stop what you're doing and react to a kid running on stage or a dog running through your balloons or whatever it is. I can cope. And the main thing is to keep breathing. And to enjoy it, and if you're having fun, the audience will have fun. And most of the time, the audience haven't seen your show, so they don't know whether it's right or wrong. So if you keep going, as long as you're confident or you look like you're confident, then it's great. Can you share with us a story of one of those situations where something went wrong in a show, and how did you tackle it? So I was performing, it was very early on in my balloon gardener show, and I used an egg gate in a routine. I had it in my hands for quite some time or in a pocket, and so it got very warm, and I then tried to blow it up, and it stuck to itself. It was stuck to each other, and it was like, ah. Oh. So, <laughs> so I had to deal with that on the spot in front of the audience. That had never happened to me before. And I just kind of poked around, made something of it. Uh, my friend, who's another balloon artist, was laughing in the audience because she knew that would happen. But I coped with it, and eventually it worked. I see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> These things happen, you know. They do. And I remember, you know, talking with you back in Balloon Artist Podcast, by the way. Welcome back. You were doing an interview on season two. Where yes. you were coaching me on my show publicly, and we actually did, did a second session maybe a, a year and a half later or so on the second version of the show, and you were always emphasizing how 
I need spares. I need to have a spare of anything important. So I can only imagine this goes extra special for like with extra special attention for, for the balloons themselves. But also props. You know, when you're buying one prop, I tend, <laughs> I tend now, if it's possible to buy two, because if I really like that thing and it goes wrong and it's an integral part of my show and I've bought it in America or ordered it online and they don't make them anymore, I just buy two. What are your sources of inspiration when you're looking for a new routine or a new idea? That's a great question. So my inspiration, I do still search on the internet. I get inspired. For example, I get inspired and then I buy the stuff and I try it out and sometimes it doesn't work. Here's the perfect example. I saw a video of this guy from Japan who climbs in a giant balloon and then go, jumps on three ladders of different sizes. You may have even seen it. No. And wow. It's impressive and it's a bit dangerous. I thought that's great. So I bought three different size ladders. <laughs> oh no. And and I tried it and I realized, wow, this is really scary. I did it a few times just with one ladder, the smallest ladder, and I've never tried to do it. I've practiced on my own, but I've never done it publicly, the three ladders, because it's really scary and I value my ankles and health. I can be inspired and try stuff out, and I'm always thinking, okay, that magic trick, how can I make that with balloons or that story? How can I adapt it to be with balloons? Things like that. Yeah, I remember seeing a few routines with the climbing side that are ridiculously impressive and dangerous and different. Like Guy Sheffer, he's a strong person. He can actually climb a rope yeah. with just his hands while his bottom half is inside a balloon. And sure. his head is inside the second balloon, and he's climbing a rope <laughs> for like 20 meters or something, like 10 meters, I don't know. The main thing I do is look outside the balloon world, because to use things with balloons, you have to look outside. If we're all doing the same routines or copying each other, then it, it doesn't advance. So yeah. I look at circus street theater, magic, storytelling, puppetry, all of these areas that are related, how can you do that with balloons? And you're not just very productive with your own shows that you build ideas for and create routines, train for them, practice for them, rehearse them, do shows in front of real audiences a few times before you actually go and sell a full-on balloon show. Yes. But you also are quite generous with your ideas, uh, with other people. I've heard you co-host this podcast about showmanship and about entertainment, the Kids Entertainer podcast, which was very interesting. And I also know that you are a director of many. So you've been directing all over the world. Yes, I have. I direct children's entertainers, balloon artists, magicians, to improve their shows because I think it's really easy to get involved and enthusiastic about your art form and learn the next greatest balloon thing. But to be able to form, perform a balloon show is a very different skill. And I help and coach people with that. I have a little sideline called Danny Directs, 
and it's I'm quite busy at the moment directing several people, helping them with their library shows and other shows that they want for birthday parties, things like that. What if someone is afraid, like they're not Christopher Lyle or David Brenn or Matt Fallon, like they don't know how to go into showmanship. They have some ideas and they need someone to coach them and to help them. Do you also have experience with that type of scenario? Yeah, I mean, I've been through theater training and circus school, as I mentioned, and all that feeds into what I do all the time. So I can help people overcome nerves and prepare a routine. And often I say when you're balloon twisting in a line, maybe just take five minutes and try out a new routine. There's no pressure. It's an extra. You haven't promised full-on show, but try something out in front of people before you make a big show. So you're starting small. Speaking of starting small, you also designed a challenge for Balloon Artist College. I did. And in that 21-day challenge about performances with balloons and performance-ship and entertainment with balloons, you gave all sorts of easy-to-start-with games that you take and you do with some situation or scenario or with a certain type of balloons. But at the end of the game, you have some bits and business that you can do in front of people. What is the deal there? Like, how does that really something that is a part of an actual thing that people do when they are being directed by you or that you use as a tactic? I use everything that I did in the 21-day balloon challenge, I use in my creating work. So it comes from experience. So I use a lot of attitudes. There was one exercise where I asked you to make a very simple one balloon dog 10 different ways, fast, slow, light. The balloon is very light. The balloon is very heavy and so on. And that helps you with reactions and actions So you're not just making a balloon one way. You can do it many ways. You can do it joyfully or with surprise or with sadness. So it gives you a whole kind of, I call them attitudes, their emotions and ways of doing things. And it, it gives you some depth to your performing. Even if you're doing line work, you can vary the way you make the same balloon. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I remember the videos of people going through the challenge and some of the members of Balloon Artist College, they actually filmed themselves. And the end results were very different, very, very unique. So yes. people that went through this exercise, they got to different ideas. And the same goes with clowning in general. I have passion for clowning. You're a professional clown. And you've studied this for years. But when I w did one of my clowning workshops i did like five of them uh, by now every time you know you're playing with some exercise some game that everyone got the same instructions and everyone are creating something totally different yes if i say to you do a balloon show you're not going to do the same balloon show that i do if you say can you make a cat out of balloons you'll make it one way i might make something similar but a show You're really adding yourself. So we're all individuals. And that's how shows are so different because we're all different. And that's why I love helping people 
because it's a bespoke coaching service that I offer and everybody has their own way of doing things. Even if it's the same routine, the way of presenting it is very different. And also, like, there's a process involved. There's yeah. a process that you're not supposed to come with yourself knowing for sure what is exactly your gift for the stage or for your audience. Some of those things you're going to only find out through the process that you have in your directing and through those games and through practicing and improving and practicing again. And even when you think you know your show and you go out to the audience the first time, it will all change. The kids will react differently than you imagine. They will give you new gags that you'd never thought of. Things will happen like things bursting or in the wrong place or props not working, balloons popping. So all these make a show. And when you've done a show 10, 20, 50, 100 times, then you know your show. But it's different every time. Even if it's the same show, it's a different audience in a different space. Wow. You are really a fountain of knowledge, helping people with information about how to create costumes for themselves and how to create new routines and even how to actually build your own show, whether it's a magic show or a balloon show through your directing services. I've seen your lectures on the Kids Entertainment Academy, watch your training on the challenge in Balloon this College and been through your coaching as well. So I know how deep your understanding of comedy and of entertainment is. And I just wanted to say again, thank you, Danny, for sharing this with so many professionals that do need, we all need, even the veterans need help. And of course, anyone that just wants to start, you have something for them wherever they are. So you really are open for helping people wherever they are in the journey. Danny, if someone wants to learn more about your multiple layers of help that you can provide people, because you know some people need more help than others, where can people go to learn about your services? So the best thing is to uh, contact me on Facebook. I'm in the middle of making a new website specifically for my Danny Direct service. So that will be live when it's ready. <laughs> But uh, contact me via Facebook. I think it's the best. And just in case, if you're listening to this and you're wondering, maybe it is already live. Once it is live, the link for sure will be on balloonartistpodcast.com at the show notes of this episode in season eight. So once it's live, we'll add that. And we will also put the link on how you can find Danny's lecture in the Kids Entertainment Academy and Danny's Balloon Artist College 21-day challenge for performances. We'll put all the links for that as well and how to find Danny if you want some serious work on building a show, improving a show, or even more than that. There's always more in this journey. So Danny, thank you again. It's been a pleasure to learn about the history. I didn't know how much way back you've been doing this and all the library research. I could imagine how you did the research and how meaningful it was. And these days, again, you have all the resources, you have conventions. Will you be attending uh, a convention uh, soon? Yes, I'm going to Kidabra in August in Atlanta, Georgia. 
and I'll be at a balloon convention at Twist and Shout 2020 in Kentucky, Louisville. Is that a Twist Ecology? Twist and Shout. Next year, Twist and Shout yes. in the beginning of the year, basically. Yeah. So uh, Twist and Shout is the next big family gathering, I think. I think so, yes. It's been a pleasure to interview you. And thank you so much, person. Thank you, Danny. And thank you guys for listening for the Balloon Artist Podcast. Season 8 is here with the veterans. See you next week on Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, and this is Season 8, Episode 1. And now is the tip section. I want to talk about a tip from the book Know by Jim Camp. And in this book, Jim talks about this concept of blank slating. Blank slating is when a customer approaches you, but instead of assuming what they want and what they're after, you're... You go with a blank slate and you listen with curiosity. And what happens is suddenly what they were looking for is not exactly what you thought it was. It's not a discount and it's not uh, the cheapest uh, option. Uh, the more you're curious, the more you find out what exactly is their vision. And there are specific questions that are uh, typical to someone that has gone into a negotiation with a blank slate. For example, why did you call me? Why did you choose balloon decor? What is it about balloons that made you interested in that? Why do you like this specific design or this picture that you sent to me through Pinterest? Um, what is it about it that you like? Um, did, you, did, did you look into additional options? What were they? What did you like about the additional options? So you just listen and you're curious and you get the customer to talk and talk and talk and talk. And then this actually allows you to eventually make sure that they know what you can do and in what conditions, right? Blank slating is also about not being attached emotionally. And I know it can be super hard personally because just recently I was subject to an attack online on Facebook when a claim was made by someone that was a content partner with us that uh, we actually didn't get permission to use their content, which was ridiculous because we had a full agreement. We were working together for two months. We've improved the content, edited it, made sure that it's accessible for the public and basically has worked in a very transparent way where all the terms and conditions of the way we work in Balloon Artist College were all written down all over our website. So you really need to uh, just go into balloonartistcollege.com to understand what we're all about. But they've decided to basically claim you never got permission to use our content in this way and we were trying so hard to get into a meeting or to correspond on an email to make sure that we are trying to solve this in a way that will make all sides happy about the situation and uh, we were ignored in on, on our emails and basically that partner decided instead 
to go on Facebook and talk badly about us and even lie about the things that we've uh, that we've done or that we've agreed upon and basically badmouth us. There was a lot of things there, defamations and all sorts of illegal things. Like we had to contact a lawyer and literally are now examining our options. We have decided not to work with this gentleman anymore and to remove that course from Balloon Artist College. And we've learned so much from this incident. We have decided to double check the, who we work with and do some background checks and also to work with very clear agreements that has an exit uh, option mentioned inside where people will have to pay a penalty if they take out their content from us because we are responsible for a lot of people's lives. We help uh, a lot of balloon artists to learn and we want to make sure that they are safe and that our content is safe on our platform. We had so much support coming in from our customers and our uh, instructors, uh, the other instructors, we have many of them in Balloon Artist College, that basically said they believe in the platform and they know that we're working day and night to grow the platform, to get more people on board uh, and to also help them sell their content. Um, Balloon Artist College is now full of motivation on creating new material, exclusive material. This is going to be uh, our finest hour because of this attack. We're going to grow way faster because of that. And I'm basically thankful for uh, the illegal activities done online, uh, the lies that were spread and everything just motivated us to go productive, to be proactive and to be positive and to just create new material with content partners that are brilliant. And because of the way that we've conducted ourselves as a six-figure business, we can actually afford that. So we're going to spend a lot of money on new content in the next few months. The blank slating technique was something I used during that negotiation because obviously it's very offending when someone talks wrongly about you, about you on Facebook and actually put posts with pictures of your private conversations. And then at the same time, I've decided to blank slate. So I took 24 hours while he was still, you know, uh, doing the witch hunt move, uh, this pretty ugly move. And I waited for 24 hours before I responded. I had some things to do that were very important, like visiting the grave of my uh, grandpa and grandma because it was the day where we visit their graveyard and talk about their lives. And uh, we had some commitments. So I decided to not be responding with emotion. I waited 24 hours. That was very painful. And uh, after that, I responded calmly and with a blank slate saying, hey, we really want to uh, fix this. Uh, but we couldn't. We the, there was no agreement for you know meeting us or corresponding with us. So we decided to um, just remove the course from uh, our college site because we literally just don't want to work with these type of people that are not honorable. That do not uh, uh, even take a minute to look into the rules and the terms and conditions that are 
totally totally explained in our agreement but also all over the place on our website in the meantime um, I just want to say we're here to stay we're here to reverse uh, the order of the hierarchy of this industry this industry is not about the manufacturers and the instructors it's about us the balloon artists and it's about what is the best solution for education for us and that is what we do in Balloon Artist College. We, we prefer to always look for the motivation of what will help our customers better. So in Balloon Artist College we make connections like this lecture by this guy is better for you in the context of this course. So even though it was made by another person we are now going to give you all the material so that you will know how to do your balloons professionally on that specific technique or whatnot. Um, we are dedicated for your success. We want to help you become a balloon boss. No matter what level you are in right now, we have something for you. I'm sorry if you were exposed on Facebook for the unprofessional posts um, that literally were bad-mouthing and lying about us. I'm so sorry that uh, if, if you were exposed to that, those posts are now deleted already, so you can't really find it online, but it was ugly. And we are really motivated now to make sure that this will never happen again. Thank you guys for listening for the Balloon Artist Podcast. I want to share with you something private. In the last few months, maybe even a year, I was busy in doing something new, and that is coaching. My career as a coach has grew to such a level where I have like 25 coaching sessions every week. This has become something that occupies most of my time, together with the two schools that I'm running, Balloon Artist College and Kids Entertainer Academy, and my third podcast, Generous Marriage Podcast. I'm just a very, very busy individual. So you might look at me and say, I'm a balloon artist, which I am in my heart and in my skills. But these days, I'm mostly a business coach and a business coach for balloon artists and for businesses. And as a business coach, I plan to pour down on you a rain of amazing tips in this season of Balloon Artist Podcast. Strap in for the ride. It's going to be amazing. Thank you for listening and see you next week on Balloon Artist Podcast.